for tuning in to the Open Door Ministry Breadcrumbs Podcast with me, your host, Barbara Smith. We are here to share our blog articles with you in an audio format. We know that people are very busy and constantly on the go, but we all still need daily inspiration in our lives. It is our goal to share a few thought-provoking morsels that will challenge you to stay actively engaged in the Word of God. His Word is the bread of life. The Importunate by Barbara Smith We have all had jaw-dropping moments when we hear stories of those who have been wrongfully convicted of a crime they did not commit. Some were already deceased, therefore the only exoneration they will receive is by historians regarding their stories of innocence, while others may be released from their sentence only after serving many years for something they did not in fact do. With new technology, science, and biochemistry in the 21st century, which provides better communication, transportation, and forensic evidence, wrongful convictions are much less likely to happen. A couple of our children work in a prison in the state that we reside in, working in varying capacities with differing job duties and descriptions depending on the day or what has happened that day. They have seen just about all the horrific things that could be seen in a spiritually depraved environment. Though many of the inmates claim innocence, there are many who admit to their wrongdoing. They know they are in prison for life and try to make the best of a bad situation. Although it is more often than not, it is very difficult to ascertain who is telling the truth in these situations. However, we all can agree that even one occurrence of wrongful accusation with these kinds or worse consequences is, of course, too many. The handy internet gives us a list, though limited, that they have posted of wrongful convictions in the United States. The preface states, This list of wrongful convictions in the United States includes people who have been legally exonerated, including people whose convictions have been overturned or vacated, and who have not been retried because the charges have been dismissed by the states. It also includes some historic cases of people who have not been formally exonerated by a formal process such as existed in the United States since the mid-20th century, but who historians believe are factually innocent. Generally, research by historians have revealed original conditions of bias or extrajudicial actions that related to their convictions and or executions. People who were wrongfully accused are sometimes never released. By February 2020, a total of 2,551 exonerations were mentioned in the National Registry of Exonerations. The total time these exonerated people spent in prison added up to 22,540 years. Detailed data from 1989 regarding every known exoneration in the United States is listed. Data prior to 1989, however, is limited. By 2020, 20 individuals have been 
exonerated while on death row due to DNA evidence. Wow, over 22,000 years of wrongful sentences served. This is just a list of unknown people to us and an outlandish number that we can hardly comprehend until it happens to us or to someone we love. According to the dictionary, DNA is a self-replicating material that is present in nearly all living organisms as the main constituent of chromosomes. It is a carrier of genetic information. DNA molecules allow this information to be passed from one generation to the next. For these reasons, in the 21st century, they can examine any piece of clothing, a hair, skin, or bodily fluids, and so forth, to see if, in fact, the one accused was at the scene of the crime and or involved in the crime. This was developed by Swiss-born biochemist Friedrich Maischer in 1869. However, it was more than 80 years for its importance and full use to be established. Anyone falsely accused today would be very grateful for this discovery, along with the concept that you are innocent until proven guilty. Let me share a couple of the short stories on this list with you. On May 5, 1872, William Jackson Marion was convicted of murder and put to death. It states Marion was convicted of killing John Cameron, who left with him to work on a railroad in 1872. In 1891, four years after Marion's execution by hanging, Cameron turned up alive, explaining that he had vanished by his own volition. He had spent 20 years traveling across Mexico, Alaska, and Colorado. On May 25, 1987, Marion was pardoned posthumously by the state of Nebraska on the 100th anniversary of his hanging. In the year 1912, Bill Wilson was convicted of murder, sentenced to life in prison, and served six years. The record states Wilson was convicted of murdering his wife, Jenny Wilson, and their 19-month-old daughter. Bones presented by the prosecution in court were later discovered to be those of at least four or five people and likely of indigenous ethnicity. Wilson received a formal pardon from the Alabama governor after his wife and daughter were discovered to be living in since Indiana. In the year 1913, Thomas and Meeks Griffin were convicted of murder and executed by the electric chair. Their story goes like this. The Griffins were prominent black farmers in Chester County, South Carolina, believed to be the wealthiest blacks in the area. They were convicted and executed via the electric chair in 1915 for the murder in 1913 of 74-year-old John Q. Lewis. The Griffin brothers were convicted based on the accusations of another black black man, John Monk Stevenson, who was known to be a small-time thief. Stevenson, who was found in possession of the victim's pistol, was sentenced to life in prison in exchange for testifying against the brothers. Two other African Americans, Nelson Bryce and John Crosby, were executed with the brothers for the same crime. Some in the community believe that Lewis may have been murdered because of his suspected consensual sexual relationship with 22-year-old Anna Davis, a black married woman. Davis and her husband were never tried for the murder of Lewis, possibly for fear of a mixed-race relationship scandal. 
Over 100 people petitioned Governor Manning to commute the brothers' sentence. The signatories included prominent white people, including Blackstock's mayor, a sheriff, two trial jurors, and a grand jury foreman, but the governor allowed the brothers to be executed. In October 2009, the governor of South Carolina pardoned Thomas and Meeks Griffin. Their great-nephew, Tom Joyner, had achieved the pardons after investigating the case and presenting evidence to the state of the injustice after learning about his relatives' executions. Note, 96 years had passed since the conviction, and their case was appealed by a great-nephew. These stories go on and on, and you can read them for yourselves later. Keep in mind, these are just in the United States. These types of things happen around the world and in high-profile cases as well, including the most recent wrongful impeachment of the 45th President of the United States, Donald Trump. Another example is Nelson Mandela. This excerpt taken from a British article reads, Nelson Mandela, by name Mediba, born July 18, 1918, in Maziba, South Africa, died December 5, 2013, in Johannesburg. Black nationalist and the first black president of South Africa from 1994 to 1999. His negotiations in the early 1990s with South African President F.W. de Klerk helped end the country's apartheid system of racial segregation and ushered a peaceful transition to majority rule. Mandela and de Klerk were jointly awarded the Nobel Prize for Peace in 1993 for their efforts. You say, wow, this is impressive. However, the rest of the story is that he was wrongfully tried for treason and sabotage and sentenced to a life of imprisonment years before this success was realized. He spent 27 years in a maximum security prison, and 18 of those years he did hard labor and stayed in a cell with no bed or plumbing. This was all for voicing his opinion about apartheid because those in power held different views toward it. Through it all, as one writer stated, however, Mandela's resolve remained unbroken. He not only had personal resilience, but his convictions and hope for change kept him going. We find Jesus speaking to his disciples in Luke 11:1 through 13 regarding prayer. Prayer is a communication with God, a conversation, if you will, in which you can share your love for one another, chat about your day, and make your needs known to him. The passage goes like this, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and shall say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto thee, Though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet for his importunity 
he will rise and give him as many as he needs and i say unto you ask and it shall be given you seek and ye shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you for every one that asks receives and he that seeks finds and to him that knocks it shall be opened if a son ask bread of any of you that is a father will ye give him a stone and if he ask a fish will he for a fish give him a serpent or if he ask an egg will ye offer him a scorpion if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your heavenly father give the holy spirit to them that ask him jesus instructions were to ask people cannot read your mind in the case of the father in this verse the sons ask for bread fish or an egg he would not know the child is hungry or in need unless they were an infant or they ask of course he also goes on to say that if he asks for good things the father because he is loving would not give him a stone a serpent or a scorpion he is correlating this prayer and us as christians asking god for what we have need of however let us look at the first part of the reading he tells the story of the friend that comes to the door at an importune time asking for bread because he has been inconvenienced by his friend coming to stay and has nothing to feed him even though they are friends he tells him to go at first because it is a very inconvenient time but when the friend insists because of his importunity he gives him the bread yes it is just to get rid of him quickly and to shut him up because the kids are already asleep however the friend walks away with his need met aka the bread no one else knows what you need and no one else is going to plead your case or fight for you you must initiate the conversation and ask and plead and appeal if needed and believe this is god's way and it is how life works let us research a few dictionary definitions here before we continue importunity means the quality or state of being importunant or an importunant request or demand synonyms are claim demand requisition ultimatum the etymology of this word indicates it is less than favorable because an importunate lacks consideration for others and is relentless or troublesome in an effort to impose one self or authority or need upon another however the saying goes desperate times calls for desperate measures the word appeal means in law a legal proceeding by which a case is brought before a higher court for review of the decision of a lower court or an earnest plea for help synonyms are adjuration conjuration entreaty petition plea pray supplication beg beseech conjure implore importune or petition persistence means the quality or state of being persistent especially perseverance synonyms are ceaselessness continuance durability endurance we can see how importunity appealing and persistence go hand in hand and the scripture bears witness to the fact that this is often how we receive what we need how battles are won and how victories are realized paul tells us how he manages his walk with the lord in philippians three fourteen i press 
towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of god in christ jesus he also admonishes timothy his son in the lord in first timothy six twelve fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses james tells us what to do to receive the crown of life in james one twelve blessed is a man that endures temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Jesus said in Matthew 10:22, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures at the end shall be saved. This was just a few examples, and we can never cover them all in this article, of the pressing and the laying hold, the fighting and the enduring, that we need to get what we need in this life and from the Lord as well. An example of this may be in this scenario that is probably familiar to most of you. Wait for it. Mommy, 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 mommy. This will go on indefinitely until the child gets the parent's attention and his needs or question has been satisfied. It is not a wonder that Jesus said repeatedly in various ways, as seen in Matthew 18:3, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. We will not be able to make it, and we will come up short without childlike faith and importunity. Jesus gave another example in Luke 18, 1-8, And he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded men. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? In the story, the judge did not feel that there would be any consequences for not hearing the woman's case. He was not godly, nor did he probably have any scruples at all. He was just irritated at her continual pleading and wanted to get rid of her. But God will hear us right away when we ask in faith, because he loves us and wants to meet our needs. He is a just judge. As in one of the stories we shared from the wrongful convictions list, the great-nephew of the two Griffin brothers wrongfully accused of murder investigated and presented evidence to their innocence 96 years after the fact. So, too, should we plead the case of those we see who are in need. Oft-times they cannot speak for themselves, and they need an advocate who will persist in appeal for them. Jesus himself, in his earthly ministry, gives us the ultimate example of this in John 17. He prays for his own strength, but also for his disciples. These words spoke Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, 
The hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him, that they might know thee, the only true God, even Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou hast given me to do, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou hast given me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou hast given them to me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou hast given me, and they have received them, and hath known surely that I came from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray for the world, I pray for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. The world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have I known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me maybe in them and I in them. What a powerful prayer and petition, filled with earnest appeal for himself and others, and all the while presenting the evidence of his case. In this day we live in, we must not be shy or timid when it comes to our needs, spiritually, physically, or emotionally in any way. In the media, through politicians, and in every social circle, we hear about our rights. Yes, we have them, but we must educate ourselves so that we can understand them to pursue after them. We must also study the Word of God so we can be fully aware that God has all that we need and He wants to supply our needs. Philippians 4, 6-7 through 7 tells us, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We can be bold and strong and courageous and persistent until we get an answer if we have done our research and can present the evidence. Jesus also said in John eight thirty two through 36, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abides not in the house for ever, but the son abides for ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Though they did not understand their rights at that time, they did their research and pursued them as we can witness on the day of Pentecost. There is no cause for fear or trepidation, intimidation or dismay. Fight for your soul, your children, your family and friends. Press toward the mark. Lay hold on the promises of God for your life. Endure and persist. Be importunate. 
without apology. Though you may be perceived as a little pushy or stubborn, we are armed with all the evidence we need to win our case, no matter how big or small or how annoying it may seem to others. Remember, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Thanks for joining us today. We trust you have been nourished and blessed. Always remember the Lord is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. Until next time, God bless.